Welcome to episode 1140 of The Sleeper and the Bust. I'm Justin Mason, joined on Sunday as always by Jason Collette. Happy Super Bowl Sunday. Yes, last day of football. Thank God we have made it. We have made it through the offseason. This is the last weekend without baseball. Next yep. weekend, we have baseball games. So, last day of football. Good riddance. Goodbye. And you're hearing this from two Commanders fans who the season mm-hmm. usually ends at the second week of the season. Um, but yeah. So Super Bowl Sunday, you got any good? You're, you're cooking anything today, Justin? Uh, wings. I mean, I just do a crap ton of wings. We'll also have like mozzarella sticks and all that good stuff. But uh, I, yeah, I, I'm 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 known for my wings. That's what I'll be doing as soon as this episode's uh, over. Is getting those prepped and ready to cook. Sweet. I am uh, doing some smoked stuffed meatballs. Uh, and what else did I decide? Some corn dip. I'll send you the links so you can put them in if people want to see what it was. I mean, it's going to be a little late to try to make it for the Super Bowl. Unless you uh, get it because I you know, budgeting time because I thought about doing ribs. I'm going to a neighbor's party. So uh, but the weather is absolute crap here today. Absolute disgusting. So the, if I can spend a, just a little bit of time outdoors on the smoker, I'll be fine. So meatballs it is. All right. Uh, look forward to uh, seeing that recipe. Uh, we've got a recipes for success today. Joining us, we have Baseball Money is Fake podcast. That's Ryan Gilbert and Blake Meyer. Welcome to the show, guys. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, for having, having us. us. Uh, want to uh, let people know, we'll, we'll start with you, Blake. Why don't you let people know where you can social media um, and then talk about your podcast a little bit and then we'll, we'll let Ryan talk about something else. <laughs> uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter at Balake. You can see it at the bottom end of my name at B U H H L O C K A Y E. Uh, I write for SGPN and Fantasy Pros. Do a lot of baseball stuff on the baseball editor over at SGPN. And yeah, you can catch our podcast on. I think we're on like twenty-two different streaming platforms. Uh, we just made a YouTube. Uh, it's at fake baseball money. We got a TikTok now, which I never thought I would say those words, but it is also <laughs> at fake baseball money. Uh, you can find us all over the place. And yeah, I'm just excited to be here talking about some baseball. And Ryan, yeah. why don't you let people know where you're from and, or where you can be reached and if you do anything other than that? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at rgilbertsop. Uh, our show Twitter account is at fake baseball. Baseball is fake. I am also a part of the Hockey Gambling Podcast on um, the SGPN network there. Big hockey and a baseball fan here. So per- perfect for me. They, they overlap pretty much not at all. Just full season, full, full 12, year, 12 uh, month out of the year. Yep. All right. Well, we appreciate you guys coming on and uh, dropping some knowledge. Uh, definitely go give them... Uh, a follow on the Twitter machines and the TikTok machine. Apparently, I've got a TikTok. As well. <laughs> I've got a TikTok as well. I don't really use it. I keep saying I'm going to one of these. I use it for cooking. That's where I got these recipes from. That's why, oh, if you're yeah. watching on video, I'm looking down at my phone so I can send them to you. Uh, but yeah, I use I use TikTok for recipes. It's a really easy way to learn how to cook stuff. I mean, I waste a lot of time on TikTok, but I, I haven't made very many videos of my own. So. Uh, and then uh, definitely go uh, give their podcast a listen. Uh, today we're going to talk some news and some notes, and then we're going to talk about some players who are rising in the ADP, some hitters that are rising in the ADP uh, to kind of get you going for your Super Bowl Sunday, though I'm sure most people will be listening to this the day after when all the rest of everybody joins us diehards that have already been here for quite a while. Uh, let's start with uh, the Diamondbacks signing Andrew Chafin, to a contract. Ryan, start with you on this one. Do you think he has a shot at closing in Arizona? Because that's what we really care about. Yeah, I mean, that's all that really matters for fantasy purposes. And, and looking, I, I was kind of surprised when they signed him, but then I looked at the Diamondbacks bullpen. I guess they have Melanson as one of their main guys with experience and uh, Kevin Ginkle, Joe Mantiply. So, yeah, I definitely could see Chafin in there, especially if there are some uh, left-handed matchups. I know he's been solid in his whole career. And, uh, yeah, the Diamondbacks we're probably going to be mixing and matching until they find someone that works. What about you, Blake? Do you think there's a shot he closes? Uh, yeah, I think there is. I mean, Melance is getting up there in age. Chafin's been pretty good the last few years, too. I mean, he has a nasty slider. He's got a .085 batting average against last year with a 60% whiff rate. So he has the stuff to be successful at it. And I think all you really need is the stuff and the opportunity. And there's nobody really fighting him in Arizona for it. Jason? 
any of us could close. I, I'm legit. Yeah. Like, look at the, they have five different dudes as the closer right now. Five different guys on, on roster resource. And it, it's kind of hilarious to look at the bullpen. But if there's a place, you know, if, if Chafin was holding out for an opportunity to find something like that, this was the place to do it uh, because it was wide open. Uh, and, you know, I always look at uh, Chafin and it reminds me of like Todd Jones pitching in a mirror. He's got the same mustache and the hair, and, and but he's left. Uh, so the, the opportunities there, and even like another name, because uh, I saw uh, Tim McLeod mentioned Scott Magoo, Magoo, uh, along those lines, came over from Japan. Uh, Tim mentioned it was a good landing spot because that bullpen's wide open this morning. Uh, and so it really is. So, yeah, it could be anybody. This is truly going to be a committee. I don't know if any one guy differentiates himself from the other. But, you know, this is one of those, he landed somewhere, we should adjust where he's been ranked. I mean, I don't, I really can't recall Chafin getting drafted outside of a draft champions, and now he's going to get a bump just because he has an opportunity. We can look at it and say, okay, that's better than uh, where he might have been. I mean, even this time last year, we were trying to put him in the in a closer role in Detroit, and he was getting taken as an in-game pitcher. So maybe that's what happens to him now. Yeah, I mean, I think he definitely enters the mix. I do still... Uh, I mean, it's funny. I mean, the signing happened like an hour after Paul and I finished recording the NL relievers or closers preview. Great time. Uh, because, because of yeah. course it did. We'll talk about another one here in a minute. Um, but I still think that the job is going to be somewhat tried to give in, uh, be given to Mark Melanson. They, you know, they signed Melanson to that deal, uh, you know, two year deal last year. Um, he was awful. I think they'd like to rehab his value, but they could also kind of do the same thing where they give the job to Chafin and then try to flip him in the deadline. I, I'd be very, very surprised if like half of these guys in this bullpen or in this bullpen come the trade deadline. I assume the uh, Dimebacks will be uh, better this year, but probably not good enough to make the playoffs. Uh, and they'll be looking to sell a lot of these guys at the deadline. So if you're looking for a half season of saves, makes a lot of sense. Take a gamble on one of these guys. Uh the next uh, next guy on the docket is David Peralta signing with the Dodgers. We've been talking all offseason long about just how awful this Dodgers bull or Dodgers outfield kind of shapes up to be with James Outman and Trace Thompson uh, kind of you know holding spots next to Mookie Betts. Uh, Blake, what are your thoughts on Peralta in Los Angeles? Do you think he's going to get four hundred plus plate appearances there? Uh, I think he will. I mean, he's one of those guys that's way better against righties than lefties, so they may end up platooning him with who knows who. But he makes solid contact. He had an 8.5% barrel rate last year with a 90.3 mile per hour average exit velos. So he's still got something left in the tank. I just It's weird thinking that David Peralta was the guy that the Dodgers really went for to start in the outfield this year when like guys like Profar are still out there that are arguably better. Jason, uh, any interest in David Peralta this year? Uh, this isn't a great landing spot for him just because he's going to be down in the lineup as you know, he, we know he can't hit lefties and he shouldn't. What was weird is once he made, once he left Arizona and came over to Tampa Bay, never hit a home run. Uh, so it was a little, frustrating in that capacity like oh hey come over here and he just didn't show any pop uh there and i don't know what that was all about because certainly the run environments uh favored to him but he's gonna be hitting down the lineup and he should be platooned and uh, he can play both left and right field he's got the arm obviously uh, as a guy that came up as a pitcher uh in that regard so I'm, I'm not crazy about the landing spot between him hitting in the bottom of the order and him getting uh platooned it almost just takes him out of mixed league viability for me what about you ryan yeah not much to add there i mean that's what david peralta is he's a, he's a platoon guy classic but i guess to play devil's advocate of being down in the order maybe he won't get those late game you know tough lefties to face because the dodgers do have muncie and freeman up the order so if he starts against a, a righty maybe he'll stay, play the whole game but yeah that, that dodgers outfield is just a, a complete mess and i don't see him being really fantasy relevant unless you're in a deep league or with five outfielders yeah i mean i think like draft it all makes a lot of sense because i think he will probably get around 400 to 450 plate appearances as long as he's healthy um but outside of that like i don't love these guys in your regular kind of 15 team mixed leagues because yeah. you know especially if you've got 
you know, weekly starts or NFPC where you can only switch out like in the half week. It just becomes so hard to, you know, properly utilize them unless they're going up against, you know, three righties in a row or something like that. So I tend to kind of stay away from these kind of platoon bats, especially an older one. I mean, he's got to be what, 35, 36 years old at this point. So uh, I'm probably staying away from Peralta outside of draft champions. Like, but in draft champions, makes a lot of sense. Uh, I also think that they're going to address center field at some point, uh, maybe with a Brian Reynolds trade or something like that. So we'll see if that ends up uh, coming to fruition as well. Uh, the other closer, quote-unquote closer signing was Michael Fulmer signs with the Cubs, potentially ruining all my Brandon Hughes shares, which is a huge bummer. However, in the draft I'm currently in, where I have Brandon Hughes, uh, I was able to get Michael Fulmer at like pick 600. So he's still going very, very late. Probably will continue to go fairly late, although I'm sure the ADP will rise quite a bit. Jason, do you think Michael Fulmer has a shot of closing in Chicago? Another great landing situation because there are multiple guys that I like in this in this situation. You know, you got Jeremiah Estrada, whose stuff is probably better than anybody else's in that bullpen, uh, and he's likely to open the season in AAA just because of the 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 depth of the possibilities in the bullpen. But you still have Brad Boxberger. You know, they they added Julian Merriweather in the offseason. You know, I'm not going to quit on him until his arm literally falls off, which may be at about one tendon away from happening at this point. But yeah, they, have, they already had multiple options. This just adds to the noise uh, with this. So it's at the end. I'm still I still want to take my uh, my chance with Jeremiah Estrada here, just because the stuff is so so good, and I, I do believe his stuff wins out. That said, Michael Fulmer certainly has shown uh, the ability to do this job when he's had it. Brad Boxberger. There's a lot of guys that have shown the opportunity. So, like Arizona, this could be anybody. But I like this talent better than I like Arizona's bullpen situation. What about you, Blake? Do you like uh, Chafin as a potential kind of dark horse closer right now? Oh, uh, I, I like Fulmer. I he was somebody that uh, hasn't really been on my radar in a while. I mean, he saved like 14 games in 2021, so he does have the ability to close games out. And he has decent stuff. I think he's got two pitches with over a 30% whiff rate. So he has the stuff. Uh, it's just a matter of how long or how many opportunities he would actually get in Chicago. And I don't know if those are going to be very plentiful, but we'll just have to see how the season shakes out. What about you, Ryan? Yeah, I think this is a, a similar situation that Farmer had in Detroit where he had Soto kind of with him as a lefty. He has Hughes there, Boxberger. Uh, yeah, there's just another Cubs, you know, addition. They sign on these veteran guys hoping that they pan out and they, they got a closing option. So I, I think like with the Diamondbacks, they're, they're going to be better, not good to make the playoffs, like you said. And, you know, he could definitely be a, a trade piece come the deadline. Yeah, I completely agree. I think this is another kind of one of those uh, potentially flippable assets if the Cubs aren't competing uh, come playoff time or come trade deadline time. I do think he could be given the role, though. So I think he's a guy that you take a late dart throw on. But especially if you're in a draft champions, you draft Brandon Hughes, make sure you get a guy like uh, uh, Michael Fulmer uh, kind of to handcuff in case. Because I think these are probably the two leading candidate candidates at this point. Uh, yesterday, we had a nice little trade go down. Uh, there had been a lot of talk about A.J. Puck moving into or at least competing for a rotation spot in Oakland. Uh, and so they were they're treating him like a starter of this uh, kind of spring and starting to stretch him out. He then gets traded for J.J. Bleday, who was kind of blocked off in Miami. So kind of a win-win situation for both teams. Uh, Ryan, start with you on this one. What are your thoughts about this trade? Does this make day or AJ Puck more interesting for fantasy this year? I think it definitely makes Puck more interesting, especially if he stays in the relief role for, for the Marlins. I mean, he's another good young pitcher they have. They have Sixto Sanchez. They have uh, Jesus Lazardo they picked up. AJ Puck now. They got some some guys, project guys, that they're hoping one or two of them pans out, and maybe they either stick with them long-term or just do the classic Marlins thing where they trade them away before, when they get good. But, yeah, I think it's another closer by committee with Floro, Scott, Barnes, a lot of big arms in that pen that have the cap capability to close. And I think Puck just adds to that. And Blade, you know, he, like you said, he was blocked off in Miami, didn't play too much last year. So maybe this gives him more playing time, but he's not really on my radar. What about you, Blake? Uh, same. I think it's, uh, I, it's more enticing for me for AJ Puck. Uh, just because I think he could get some meaningful innings there. And I also like 
that he helps solidify the rest of the, the this. What am I trying to say here? He gives this, those starters that they have that uh, excellent rotation that they have kind of some insurance behind them. So maybe help them with a couple more wins. I mean, that's asking a lot from Miami, but sometimes that's all it takes to take a, like a good starter to a great starter. And so I don't know if he's going to be on my fantasy radar, but I think he does help the, the rotation a bit. Jason. Um, with puck, you know, maybe he becomes their multi-inning relief guy. So if they, if, if Oakland thought they could move puck to the rotation, then possibly they can do something there where puck can become a multi-inning guy for Miami. Uh, he's never shown the health track record or the depth of repertoire. To, to be a successful starter, but in limited usage, perhaps there's some value there. I mean, with, with Floro, Scott, and Barnes, I, I, I thought that's where they were going with their late-ending relief, so p- potentially that's still the case, and they're going to use Puck as that, because right now their long guy is a Rule 5 guy, uh, and that you know could go anywhere. Uh, with that, with Bladey, I mean, I guess it's a good lesson in, you know, I know guys were tripping over themselves to keep this guy and draft this guy, and the, the the layoff from the pandemic, the lost 2020 season certainly hurt him. Uh, but maybe this is Miami going a little bit too far with guys that can't make contact. We don't want them anymore. And we talked about this when they when they made their earlier trade uh, and were moving guys who, who can't make contact. They're trying to acquire and they went out and got uh, Luis Arias. And now they're getting rid of another guy who struggled to make contact and moving him off the roster for this. So. You know, in Oakland, Lede should get all the chance in the world, and that could go either way. If he gets to his true talent level, then it's like, wow, maybe he, maybe this helps his value. But if he's out there playing every day and striking out even more uh, because one of the, the flaws against him has been velocity up and away that he can't get to nor lay off of, and that becomes even more exposed if he's out there playing what should be just about every day in Oakland as they try to figure out what they what they have. But with Oakland's roster the way it is, this is the kind of guy they should be taking a chance on. They know what they have in Puck, a guy that breaks down all the time. So why not get younger? Why not take the opportunity to uh, get a guy who's already 25? That's the other thing about Lede. I mean, he's turning 26 sometime this year. Uh, so I'd like to trade more for Oakland than I do for uh, Miami. That said, the immediate upside with it, I, I think that leans towards Miami, but long-term uh, it could work out well. There's more uh, risk reward in Oakland side uh, than it is Miami side. Yeah. I mean, this is a, a nice move for Bladet in terms of playing time, right? Because he was likely mm-hmm. going to start the year at AAA. Now he's probably a strong side platoon bat uh, in that Oakland outfield. Uh, still not a great park, uh, potentially, you know, probably a, wor- a little bit worse of a park. Um, and a much worse team, which is not something you usually say when you leave Miami. Uh, so, like, I don't know how much fantasy goodness outside of maybe like a draft champions for Bleday, but it'd be interesting to see him get uh, some regular plate appearances and see if he does belong at the major league level or if maybe he's more of a triple A or quad A type player. Uh, Puck is interesting. I wonder if this is preceding another trade that's going to happen for like Trevor Rogers. Uh, you know, they're now kind of very Miami's even more now loaded in the uh, rotation. They'd already traded away Pablo Lopez to kind of open up an extra spot in their rotation. Um, so I do kind of wonder if maybe this is like the move before another move. And maybe we see uh, Trevor Rogers, who they've been shopping all offseason, get moved after uh, the Wednesday uh, 60 man IL deadline that Jason was talking about, maybe off air. It was off air, but yeah, for okay. those who don't know, the uh, this by Wednesday teams can start moving players to the 60 day IL. Uh, so, you know, since I'm wearing the Rays hat, uh, I'm talking like Andrew Kittredge and Shane Boz. They can move those mm-hmm. guys off the 40 onto the 60, thereby freeing up two uh, spots on the roster. And so other teams have guys like that. Uh, as well, I'm just pulling those two names because you know those are two that I've been keenly aware of as my team has signed one player uh, this winter. <laughs> so they can move some <laughs> of these guys to the 60, then possibly they can go get somebody who's still sitting out there or make a trade, uh, as you just suggested, uh, to that point. But look first, your favorite team to be moving guys off the 40 to the uh, off the 40 man roster to the 60 day IL here sometime during this week. And so you got to wonder maybe if uh, a trade like a Trevor Rogers trade happens after they're able to put uh, Anthony Bender and Max uh, Meyer, you know, on this 60 day IL uh, and kind of open up some extra spots or something. So um, 
I'm not super interested on either of these guys unless we get some more news that kind of gives me uh, some reasons to be hopeful that they're going to have big roles on their new teams. But just something to monitor for you kind of deep league players or uh, for those of you who are in draft champions leagues. Um, let's uh, let's move into our regular topic uh, or our, our kind of main topic, which is uh, hitters moving up the ADP. So what I did was I kind of looked at uh, some recent articles I wrote over on Fangrounds, which is the ADP market report, and kind of picked out some names of uh, some hitters that have been moving up the ADP uh, over the course of pretty much this year. So since the beginning of January or so. Um, and we're going to start with some catchers. We'll start with Danny Jansen. Uh, who's moving up the ADP after the Gabriel Moreno uh, trade. And spoiler alert, we'll be talking about Gabriel Moreno next. Uh, Jason, I know you were a big Danny Jansen guy last year. Are you interested in him with an increased price this year? Yeah, not as much. And I don't understand why the why the needle's moving. Perhaps it's, oh, hey, they're changing Rogers Center. But Danny Jansen wasn't hitting cheap home runs. And he also doesn't hit the ball to the opposite field. He's very much pull happy. Uh, I, I was a little bit concerned last year like half his home runs heading into last season had come at Camden Yards <laughs> and a lot of them had come in September type of thing. But yeah, you know, he, when he hits them, he, they, they're not cheapies. Uh, and so I don't see how the news of, of Roger center restructuring its outfield dimensions is impacting his value. I still worry about like, if you love, if you love Alejandro Kirk this year, where are you, where is Danny Jansen getting all the playing time? Uh, you know, Kirk this time last year was a different story. We didn't know where Kirk, how Kirk was going to play out. We thought Moreno was going to be up. Um, earlier, but if you really love Kirk and you're projecting a lot of playing time for him, it's likely going to come at the expense of Danny Jansen. So he may not get as much playing time uh, as one would hope. Uh, like I have him, I have him for seven dollars in my AL eleven team keeper league, and I'm absolutely fine with that price. Um, if he was like twelve dollars, I'm not so crazy about it. But it's set at a single digit cost in the AL. I'm he's one of my keepers. I'm keeping him, no problem at all. Uh, that said, that that so far is the only league I have Danny, Danny Jansen in, and I've drafted three other leagues. What about you, Blake? Are you interested in Danny Jansen? The kind of increase in cost? Uh, no, not at all. Like on my fantasy pros rankings, I have him as my number 13 catcher. And that's kind of just where he's going to stay. That's probably as high as I'll put him. I mean, the power was nice. 15 home runs in 72 games. I had a nice 13% barrel rate, but I just, Alejandro Kirk is the man there. And if anybody's going to get their playing time and their ABs cut, it's going to be Jansen. And I don't want a guy that's got a little bit of a question mark, especially at catcher. There's a decent amount of solid catchers that you could take above him. So I don't, I don't really see why he's moving up much in the rankings. Nothing's changed. What about you, Ryan? Yeah, I've gone back and forth on Jansen over the past few weeks. I, I do like him. He had, definitely has the potential and the upside. Uh, I, I think he'll get more, could take some at-bats away. I know they brought in Brandon Belt, but I know Belt last year was broken down a little bit, and there were Giants fans talking about, you know, just should they, should they bench him at this point? So I don't see Belt staying healthy for the full year, and you know, I'm not completely sold on Kirk being the sixth or seventh best catcher. So if I can get Jansen, not quite 13th best, but if he falls down to like pick 200 or so, I'll definitely snatch him up. But yeah, Jansen, you want to see more opportunity from him and you're not sure if that's there yet. Yeah. I mean, I was getting really excited about Danny Jansen and then they signed Brandon Bell to kind of take away a lot of plate appearances at the designated hitter spot, which uh, is a little bit frustrating. I mean, great for Brandon Bell. Love to see him get a chance to win another ring on an, on a different team. But uh, from a fantasy perspective, it kind of muddles that situation a little bit more than I'm uh, super comfortable with. So while I don't have necessarily a problem taking Jansen at current cost, I haven't ended up with him anywhere. I've either, you know, kind of grabbed my catchers a little bit earlier or grabbed them a little bit later. Um, just because I worry that he's not going to get to maximize those plate appearances, which will help make him, you know, as valuable as I think he could be. Uh, and maybe next year when he's on a new team is the year for the breakout for Danny Jansen, but I don't know that I'm well, buying it necessarily. Yeah, I wanted to break. So a couple of weeks ago, we mentioned Jansen, and I made a comment, and somebody corrected me afterwards on Twitter. Uh, he's not a free agent until n after next season. So he's got oh. two more years in Toronto. Right, I, right. For some reason I had it in my head. It was, it was after this season, but in fact, it is after next season. So he, he's, he's, said, he's already eligible next year. So, correct. Uh, so I, I, for some reason I had it as this was his last year. I'd heard that somewhere else and I you know, didn't verify that. So shame on me. Uh, and I can't remember who pointed it out on Twitter, but I know they listened. So thank you. Uh, but I wanted to bring that up here again, that this is, uh, you know, he's got two more years in Toronto if they don't move him before then. 
All right. Well, let's talk about the guy that they did move uh, that was a catcher in Toronto. They moved Gabriel Moreno. Uh, Moreno is a top-tier kind of uh, catching prospect. Uh, is going to go to Arizona, and he's been vaulting up uh, the ADP since his uh, since his trade to Arizona. Ryan, any interest in Gabriel Moreno this year? He definitely has a lot of potential, so in, in keeper leagues and dynasties, definitely try to scoop him up. But I can see the Diamondbacks definitely trying to ease him in there with Carson Kelly, the veteran back there, probably a better game game manager and better defensive catcher. So they probably want to stick with him. But in, in the future, Moreno with that young core they have, Corbin Carroll, McCarthy, you know, Christian Walker's a solid veteran guy. So I, I don't like him where he's at right now in, in redraft leagues. I'd rather just wait and take a take a flyer on one of these these veteran catchers that you know are going to get plate appearances but you know if he pops off in spring training definitely uh keep an eye on him because the diamondbacks could could turn to him more than uh kelly what about you blake uh he's not much on my fantasy radar either i mean he seems kind of like an alejandro kirk light like he's not going to strike out a lot he doesn't have the walk rate and he doesn't really hit for a whole lot of power either I mean, he's got just 27 home runs and 253 career games. But, I mean, he hit 319 last year. So he he has the on-base ability. I think he hit like 365 – or he had like a 365 on-base percentage, which is nice. He just – he's void of that power that I really look for, especially at the catcher position in fantasy. Where are you at on Moreno, Jason? Yeah, I mean, his bat-to-ball skills as a catcher are some of the best in, in the league already. That's that's the fun part about him. I think the other part, uh, the other fun part about him too, uh, is his throwing skills. I and mean, he has a top twelve pop time, so you could see him getting a little more playing time with with how uncertain the the running game, the impact of the changes on the running game is going to be this year. He's the better thrower. He's got like a one nine two, which is elite. Whereas Kelly is closer to two zero, so you, there you could see some games where Moreno will be back there behind the plate. Uh, if it's a, a go-go team uh, on the other side of the diamond there. So I'm curious to see how that plays out, but he's a good, I would agree with everybody else, uh, can hit for average, everything else is up in the air, uh, but defensively, at least he's a better thrower than Kelly. Kelly may have the, the better overall package, but that was one of Moreno's calling cards coming up, and that's what, one of the reasons I was surprised Toronto dealt him is because he was an elite thrower behind the plate. Uh, and I thought Jansen was the guy they would trade uh, but that's the one they held on to because there are I I heard of at least one other trade offer that uh, Toronto declined for Jansen and uh, and Moreno was the guy they moved, which is surprising. You don't see a lot of catching prospects get moved like that. Uh, but maybe they had the concern about his ability to hit the ball for power consistently and decided to trade the defensive reputation and see how it all plays out. Yeah, I, I like Moreno um, as a deep league catcher that isn't got, isn't going to hurt you. Um, but I don't think he's going to help you much. Like, he's going to probably hit for a decent average. He could be like Kyber Ruiz-esque uh, kind of in his rookie season, a guy who gets, you know, 350 plate appearances, puts up a good batting average. But that's about it. Um, and I don't draft a lot of those guys. But if you're in an NL only, it makes a lot of sense because when you're drafting your C2s, those guys can actively hurt your team. I don't think Moreno will actively hurt you, but outside of like, you know, draft and hold or NL only, I just don't think he is, should be on a lot of people's radar for this year. I think long-term he's going to be yeah. pretty good, but uh, for the short term, I just don't see the massive amount of plate appearances. He needs to make that average actually a plus for you. You know, I would say the name, as you were talking, the name that comes to mind. And I would, I, I say this, like he's the non 2019 Christian Vasquez. You have the ability to hit for average. You take 2019 off the table, and Christian Vasquez has never really hit for power. But a really good thrower uh, can hit for average. So go look at Christian Vasquez's box score. Just pretend 2019 never happened. And that's a pretty good foundation <laughs> for what we could uh, expect from Moreno. But, yeah, that that 2019, you look at that, you're like, how did that ever happen? Oh, yeah, the ball. Uh, <laughs> it's like Wade Boggs, 1987. Go back and look at that uh, for you, know, you youngsters. <laughs> uh, let's uh, let's talk about uh, a first baseman in Jose Abreu, who clearly moving up after signing in Houston, uh, but there isn't like a better landing spot that you could find for Jose Abreu's swing. He's going to take advantage of those Crawford boxes. Uh, Blake, what are your thoughts on Jose Abreu? Are you taking him at the kind of rising cost? 
Oh, yeah. I absolutely love Jose Abreu this season. It hurts to say as a Mariners fan because, you know, mm. not a big Astros guy. But, yeah, uh, hitting in the middle of that lineup with guys like Bregman and Jordan and all those guys around him, the counting stats, he could probably close his eyes and hit 25 home runs and 100 RBIs next year. And I have him as my uh, number six first baseman on Fantasy Pros, and I think he's worth every penny this year. Ryan, where are you at on Jose Abreu? Yeah, I completely co-sign that. I think he's been drafted way too low so far, and I could see him rising up another round or two even because right now his ADP is around like 80, 90 there, and I could see him ending up the season not too far behind Goldschmidt and Olsen who are being drafted three, four rounds ahead of him. So absolutely great lineup there, great ballpark for him. He uh, Last year, he had great stack ass numbers too. His exit velocity was up, expected batting average, slugging, all that stuff. Had 40 doubles, saw his home runs take a hit, but I think that change in ballpark, he's going to get plenty of pitches to hit in that lineup. So I love Abreu. Jason? Hey, you can go to his stack hat page and, and look at last year's spray chart and then put it over the Crawford boxes, they put it over just the Houston dimensions. And there's a lot of blue dots that are behind the wall. Mm-hmm. You don't know how, you know, how high those balls were hit. But you know, that said, the you couldn't ask for a better spot in the lineup, hitting behind your hitting behind Jordan Alvarez and in front of Kyle Tucker. So he's extremely well insulated. I think some of the trickle-down effect here is one. How many guys is Jordan Alvarez going to leave on base for him to drive in? Uh, that's part of the issue. And then for Kyle Tucker, is Kyle Tucker, do we need to look at a, a hit for his stolen bases? Because Jose Abreu does get on base. And if Jose Abreu is on base, that's going to clog uh, the opportunity for Kyle Tucker to steal a base. So maybe we have to adjust Kyle Tucker's stolen base total a little bit if we're really high on really high on Abreu and saying that Abreu is going to get on base 35% of the time. Uh, most likely he's going to be on base first or second base. And uh, if he's sitting there on second, Kyle Tucker's got nowhere to go. Uh, Cause Jose Abreu, there's few guys in the league slower than Jose Abreu uh, running in there. So that's my, <laughs> but I, I do love Jose Abreu. This could not have been, this is the best play, uh, spot for him to land. He can hit the ball to all fields. Uh if he wants to, he doesn't have to, but he can drive the ball out the right field just as easy as he can do with the left field. Just stay away from the big center field, and he should be just fine in this spot. I mean, can we start like a um, you know change.org petition to move Kyle Tucker to the two hole so we, this doesn't have to be an issue for Kyle Tucker? Because I mean, I to, to still to this day cannot figure out what the hell the Astros are doing batting him like fifth or sixth uh, in this lineup. Uh, and but, then taking him to arbitration over two hundred thousand dollars, like really piss him off, right? <laughs> I, it's just like I don't understand it either. It's like Mike, yeah, they have Michael Brantley projected there, and I get it. Michael Brantley, extreme, extreme bat to ball skills, works really well for the hit and run, you know, all of that stuff. That said, it's like Kyle Tucker is easily the most talented six hitter uh, in baseball. Uh, and it's crazy if somebody, his talent is just where they have him. But that said, it's great for Jose Abreu for now. And even if they do move him, what's next? Like, oh, okay, then we put Michael Brantley behind him. Fine. I mean, then Michael Brantley's value goes up. You can't really go wrong in this Astros lineup unless you end up rostering Martin Maltonado. That's about the only way you can go wrong uh, <laughs> with this lineup. As I just took Martin Maldonado in the 42nd round as my catcher for it. What a reach there, Justin. Good yeah, lord. Right. Uh, next guy on the list is a guy who's just absolutely skyrocketed since signing a contract. That's Will Myers. Uh, you know, he's going from San Diego, not the greatest of places to hit, to Cincinnati, one of the greatest places to hit. Uh, Ryan, what are your thoughts on Will Myers in Cincinnati? Yeah, it completely makes sense that he's rocking up the charts. I was looking at his expected home runs on uh, Baseball Savant. He has 129 career home runs. If he played his whole career at Cincinnati, he would have 164. So that's 35 more home runs. He he he's, was always good as a power guy. He had 17 home runs two years ago in 2021. He hit 30 home runs back in 2017. So he has that power. Cincinnati, me and Blake and I talk about how players should just sign a one-year deal in, in cores or Cincinnati just to get their value up. And maybe that's what Myers is doing here. I definitely think he's going to be much more fantasy relevant this year than he has been in the past. Blake? Uh, I just wrote an article for SGPN yesterday about four guys that I think are going to uh, outperform their ADP this coming season by quite a bit. And Will Myers is one of the guys that I have on that list. Uh, I think he went to arguably the the best 
ballpark he could have gone to to help his value. Uh, his expected home runs last year was like double what he hit. Uh, he's still hitting the fastball really, really well. He hit 322 off of fastballs last year, and he's going to hit in the heart of that lineup. So the meaningful ABs are going to be there. Now, who's going to be on base ahead of him when he's up to bat is going to be a question. But uh, I think he is going to put up a – he could put up a 20 to 25 home run season this coming year and hit 265, and it's going to be a damn good year. Jason. So we're only a year removed, and so for those watching video, I'm talking with my hands. We're a year removed from two <laughs> guys going to Cincinnati, uh, and it, the exact opposite, right? We were like Tommy Pham and Brandon Drury both landed in Cincinnati last year. People were like, ooh, Tommy Pham, the skills should really play out well. Brandon Drury, whatever. Well, that you know, flip that around. Brandon Drury was the guy that was taken in two of 321 draft champions drafts last year. Two. Uh, and he was a needle mover. Uh, and then Tommy Pham just didn't do anything uh, there. He actually did more after being traded to Fenway than he did for the Reds. Uh, so it was crazy how to see how that played out. That said, I do love Will Myers landing here. Uh, I mean, he should be out there playing every day. Uh, I do agree. Like, if you want to revive some of your value, just go play there for a year. It's got to be tough being out of contention at about three days into the season. <laughs> But he can go there and hit well. So it's just like this This is a great landing spot. That said, it took it's, it's taking Will Myers' price from a bargain to not so much of a bargain anymore. Now you got to be a believer. Uh, early on this draft season, it was like he was just freely sitting there. But once he's landed in Cincinnati, his price has steadily moved up, uh, which has taken him out of value. Uh, and back to you're paying the, you're paying the market price because everybody believes there's, there's a rebound in store for him this year. Yeah, Will Myers started off the draft season. So drafts before the new year, he was at pick 412. Since the new year's, he had he is at pick 246. So an almost <laughs> 200 spot move up in ADP. Uh, I wonder though if we're starting to get to the point where he becomes less of a value uh, or much less of a value kind of moving forward. I mean, this is a guy who has had a lot of injury concerns. Uh, over kind of over his career, that Cincinnati lineup is really bad around him. Um, I do like Will Myers. I think he's fine, but man, I don't know that I could pull the trigger on him as like a top 220 pick. Um, and so I think all the uh, early shares of Will Myers I got may end up being the only shares of Will Myers that I get kind of rest of the way, unfortunately, uh, just because I think he's starting to get into that range where he gets a little bit too expensive. Uh, for his own good. Now going ahead of guys like Miguel Vargas, uh, Spencer Torkelson, DJ LeMahieu, uh, and he's creeping up on guys like Tristan Casas and Josh Baylor. Uh, moving on to the next guy, we have Bryce Terang, who uh, he's been moving up in ADP because there's been a lot of talk about him potentially making the opening roster. Unfortunately, the Brewers continue to just kind of block his path with mediocre talent. Jason, where are you at on on uh, Bryce Terang? Uh, well, it's a maybe it's a path block, but his next major league plate appearance will be his first one, uh, and so it's not that much. Like when I look at this, uh, like I remember either we talked about it or or you and Paul did with somebody. It's like with Brian Anderson, the move with Brian Anderson in Milwaukee. If you like Brian Anderson going to Milwaukee, and I'm in that camp. You got to make room for him somewhere, and one of those moves could possibly be possibly be. Uh, Luis Urias becoming the second baseman. So if you get Brian Anderson at third base, Urias playing second base, then Terang's path is blocked. And I'm fine with that because I like both those guys uh, with that. But it's obviously to see why Terang is moving up the chart because Colton Wong vacated the spot. Terang has a high OBP and stolen base total in the minor leagues. And you could hit him at the bottom of the lineup. And so it's easy to see why uh, people are taking the late dart on him. Uh, that, but that said, again, there's more experienced names and if Milwaukee thinks they can contend I don't see them just giving that spot over to a guy with zero major experience uh, those are my thoughts Blake what are your thoughts on Bryce Terang uh, I want to see how he does in spring and what the Brewers plan to do with him before I really form an opinion I mean he's a guy that he hits really well against righties and lefties he has a decent amount more power against righties than he does left 
lefties, but he hits for a higher average against lefties. So he doesn't really have a weakness in terms of who he's going to face. And he does have that speed. He's got the stolen base ability, but he's not a guy that's going to blow you away with home runs or anything of that matter. So now that Colton's Wong gone, Colton Wong is gone to my Mariners. Uh, I do see the potential for him to get some major league appearances, but we'll have to see how that plays out. Ryan? Yeah, I'm hoping Anderson takes more of a like utility role for them as a maybe not everyday player. But yeah, I, I like Terang's potential there as kind of a second leadoff hitter in the nine hole. He can get on, steal some bases. He's he's seen the pitch clock and uh, these rules before in the in the minor league, so he's more familiar with that. Maybe they keep him on the roster as a late game pinch runner or someone to, to pinch hit late in the game as well. And he did have 13 home runs last year, up from six the year before in the minor. So maybe there is a little bit of pop there for him to take a uh, flyer on later in the draft. Yeah, I mean, I think he is a guy you take, like, maybe one of your last picks on uh, in a regular fab league, and then if he doesn't make the opening day roster, you can make a decision whether or not you're going to drop him off your team and pick up someone who is playing or just try to see how long you can hold on to uh, hold on to him. Uh, I mean, he had an amazing AAA season last year, 13 mm-hmm. home runs, 30, uh, 34 stolen bases, two, uh, 286 batting average. Um, obviously I think he, at this point he's proven he's too good for AAA and needs some time in the majors, but the Brewers signed like just, uh, or traded for a bunch of just like random guys, right? Like they traded for Abraham Toro in that, uh, aforementioned Colton Wong deal, uh, and the Jesse Winker deal. Uh, they, uh, added Owen Miller. They added Josh Van Meter. Uh, they, They've added guys like uh, Brian Anderson, who's already been mentioned. They still have Mike Rousseau on this roster. Like they've got all these pieces. Like I don't want to. They're not good pieces. They're just pieces. Um, and Milwaukee has been a very cheap organization in the past, and may just decide they want to uh, like hold down Bryce Terang at least until kind of that extra year service time is gained. So I think if you draft him, you need to know there is a reasonable chance he is not up before. May or even up before Memorial Day. So kind of keep that in mind in terms of are you willing to hold on to this guy for that period of time? Uh, But I think there is some pretty nice upside if he does get the kind of full-time role at second base. Uh, Moving on to the next guy, we've got Justin Turner, uh, who uh, has moved up quite a bit since uh, uh, signing in Boston. Uh, Ryan, what are your thoughts on Justin Turner this year? Yeah, I, I like Turner a lot here, especially in Boston. If you look at his his overlay, he had a lot of doubles that would have either possibly cleared the Green Monster there or went off of for, for a singular double there. He he lost some power last year, going from 27 home runs down to 13, but his doubles went up from 22 to 36. So he, he still has it. He, he's getting up there in age, but consistent there, 278 average the past two years. It's not a great lineup for him to be in. It's just kind of him endeavors there. But I think he's a he's a good depth second baseman and, and a guy I may even be comfortable having as my start, starting second baseman. What about you, Blake? Uh, I love him in Boston this year. Uh, I have him as my 13th ranked third baseman. So, I mean, I don't love him a ton, but I think – the Boston move is pretty good for him. Uh, he's the kind of guy, he does well in high leverage situations. He hit 302 in high leverage situations last year and hit 339 with men on base. So he's going to probably bat fourth or fifth, and there's going to be chances for him to kind of make some plays there. And he still had the RBIs last year. He had 81. So he's going to get the counting stats you're looking for, and I think he's going to have a solid year. Jason. This isn't me just hating hating him because he's a Boston Red Sox, but it's <laughs> I, I can't I can't get the I can't get the Josh Donaldson out of my head here. You know when Donaldson hit this, you know Donaldson when he made his moves, we're like, oh hey, he's going to do well here, he's going to do well here. And then Donaldson started breaking down, and he had a very similar profile. I mean Turner is one of the best hitters in baseball and off speed pitches. Like he's a great hitter. Uh, I just. My feeling is too much is being put into the relocation to Fenway, uh, and I don't see him having. I'm I'm behind Ryan and Blake here, uh, and where and where he is. I don't. It doesn't move the needle for me too much. We're again, we're still talking about a, an aged player. This isn't even just ageism. It's just this Josh Donaldson. I cannot get that out of my head, and we've seen how Donaldson's <laughs> uh, production has broken down here, uh, and that's what I'm looking at with with Turner. 
Uh, yeah, the Rays fan of me hopes I'm right, uh, but if I'm wrong, then yeah, so be it. I'm not avoiding him, uh, but I'm also not getting into the crowd right now of all his values going up. I need to go. I need to go pay that market price. I mean, being in Boston means he's going to DH the majority of his time, sure. which for me means hey, maybe he can stay on the field for a lot longer, which means we could see you know a high in plate appearances. Uh, you know, over, since the last few years where he's kind of struggled to stay on the field. Um, like, it's not a great landing spot because you're leaving that Dodgers lineup, which was uh, absolutely elite last year, but he's right. going to hit in the middle. It's not a bad lineup necessarily. It's a good park to hit in. Um, I think Justin Turner is underrated every year. And I feel like he, I know last year was kind of a down year in power, but he hit like 318 after like the all-star break or something like that. So uh, like dude can still hit the baseball. He's cheap. Third base definitely has some pretty big cliffs that fall off. So uh, I don't mind Justin Turner uh, at all at the current price. The only problem for me is there's a guy going right exactly the same spot as him pretty much um, who has massive upside in Jordan Walker. And I'm probably almost always going to uh, I'll see. No, I would take Turner. I would take Turner over Jordan Walker's upside. Why? Yeah, Turner's done it for a long time. Oh, and what? Walker's got a blaze. He's got to create his. He's got to create the uh, the path to playing time. And we'll see how uh, you know how we haven't seen Walker. We haven't seen Walker perform against experienced pitchers that can exploit weaknesses yet. That's the issue. That's uh, and we've seen a lot of Walker in the lower levels of the minors. We've seen him against the uh, mostly meh pitching of the Arizona Fall League. We haven't seen how Walker can handle himself. When guys, we mentioned earlier with Blade, when the league found out that he couldn't handle velocity out and away, that's all they gave him. Uh, and he struggled to lay off from this. So I want to see how Walker does against pitchers that when they when that league finds that problem of his, okay, now we're going to exploit that and make him adjust. We haven't seen how that happens yet. The numbers to date have been ungodly, but we also haven't seen him how he how he adjusts to pitchers, quality pitchers who can command and exploit weaknesses. So that's Mark, why I'm a little more reserved. Whereas Turner, we know what he can do. Mark my words, Jordan Walker is going 150 picks higher uh, this time next month. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't doubt. He's yeah. going to have like one week of spring training where he's blowing up yeah. against like the seventh, mm-hmm. eighth, and ninth pitchers, and everybody's going to be like, "Wee!" Mm-hmm. He's yeah. going to get all the opportunities <laughs> in the world with so many Cardinals players. And he's going to get that. that, one, that uh, was it 2000? Whatever the year Albert Pujols came up, 1974. I forget exactly the spring. <laughs> but if you go back and look at Pujols, you know Pujols came out of a ball, and I because I remember I was down there in a game at uh, Roger Dean Stadium. And I saw Pujols hit for the first time. He was wearing, I think he was wearing 74, which is where the joke really came from. But he had a rocket. I swear the shortstop jumped up for it and went off the wall. Uh, that kind, it was just an absolute cannon shot. And I'll never forget the sound watching and like, wow, that guy's 19 years old. He's hitting the ball like that. That's, I could see Walker getting those comps where, hey, Pujols made it out of, made it out of camp and Pujols, you know, had a success. That said, we have not seen – Pulse wasn't 19 either. Uh, so but we'll see where it goes with Walker. You heard it here first. Jason Collette says Jordan Walker is the next Pujols. Yeah, that's uh, how you take that quote. <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving on to the next guy. Uh, I'll let you start on this one, Jason. Uh, Andrew Benatendi has been going up a fair amount since uh, signing in Chicago. Any interest in Andrew Benatendi this year? I want to believe. I, I mean, last year we were like, okay, get him out of Kansas City. Oh, this should be fun. He'll be able to do that. He'll be able to go to New York. And he was just miserable, absolutely miserable. So, but here in Chicago, it gets another chance. Yeah, the White Sox overpaid for him. There's just no ifs, ands, or buts there. Uh, but, you know, with his OBP skills, there's a chance he could hit leadoff. I mean, Tim Anderson has done it because he's been, uh, you know, the skills, the overall skill set, but you can see those guys potentially flopping in the lineup. Uh, as long as Ben Attendee's hitting high in that Chicago lineup with the talent that's up there, uh, I like it quite a bit, especially if his price comes down. The, the stolen bases, I want to see where that comes because I know he had his troubles last year uh, in the running game. Uh, and I want to see how that plays out overall. But I do, I did like the landing spot. I just hated the contract. What about you, Blake? Where are you at on Andrew Ben Attendee? 
I I'm not a fan this year. Uh, for me, he's a very boring player in terms of fantasy. Like he's going to get you a solid average. And I mean, if you look at last year, that's about all he does. He, he'll probably score some runs sitting at the top of that White Sox lineup. But outside of that, I we haven't seen the power in like two years now. Uh, he's not really a massive doubles hitter either. So he's going to score runs and hit for an average. And that's about it. So I'm pretty out on him this year. What about you, Ryan? Yeah, the, the only thing potentially that I like about him is the lineup if uh, Robert and Eloy can stay healthy behind him. But there's there's nothing that excites me about Andrew Benintendi as a fantasy baseball outfielder. Like Blake said, he's he doesn't have the power really anymore. Had 17 home runs 2021. The speed is down as well. He gets your average, might get your runs. That's about it. I'd rather take someone many <laughs> rounds later or just pick someone up off the waiver wire to, to get those stats. You can always kind of usually find someone if you're in not too deep of a league. He's kind of a um, some of all parts kind of guy as opposed to having that carrying tool in fantasy. Oh, yeah. uh, but I don't mind guys like that. Like, I think where he's going is actually pretty fair. It's, you know, he's actually had a decent price around pick 211 since the beginning of the year. Uh especially because he allows you to stay balanced. So if you've had a balanced draft to that point uh, and you're looking to kind of continue that balance to give you more options later on in a draft, uh, I think Andrew Benatendi fits the bill. And he has talked about how, like, in Kansas City, because it's such a big park, he wasn't able to hit for power, and so he kind of tried to just spray the ball around. But now that he's in Chicago, he may try to hit for a little bit more power. Maybe that's him wish-casting a little bit because he's never been a massive power guy to begin with. But uh, – I think he hits two in that lineup, especially because the other guys in the top four in that lineup are all right-handed, and they probably want to separate them a little bit at the top. Yep. Uh, but he can rack up a ton of runs. He steals, you know, a, you know, enough bases. You know, probably hits for enough home runs to be a really interesting guy that probably returns value just as an accumulator uh, at the top half of that uh, Chicago lineup. So I, I don't mind Ben Attendee. At all, he's not a guy I'm going out of my way to draft. He's not a massive target for me, but he's also a guy that I'm not going to be upset that I leave my draft with. Um, a guy that is rising a ton since being traded away from Milwaukee uh, is Esther Ruiz, uh, and it's all because he can steal bases. We don't really know what else he can do, but we know he can steal bases. Uh, Blake, what are your thoughts on Esther Ruiz in Oakland? I uh, <clears throat> he. It's an interesting one because he had a little bit of power in the minor leagues. He had 16 home runs, but then he also stole like 87 bases in 117 games or something like that, which is absurd. But then he came up to the majors and did nothing outside of look fast. He was in like the 95th percentile for sprint speed, but he couldn't hit his way out of a paper bag. So I need to see. He's another one of those guys I need to see in spring. I need to see what kind of hit tool he has in the spring to see if it can translate against any form of major league pitching. And if it can, I think he gives maybe the highest speed upside you could get in fantasy baseball, but it's just a matter of, can he hit well enough to stay in the lineup? Where are you at on Ruiz there, Ryan? Yeah. I mean, roster resource has him projected to hit ninth for the A's. I mean, if, if he shows that he can hit for average, like he did in the minors, he hit uh 285 in his minors career last year, hit 332. So if that can transfer a little bit, maybe they'll put him one or two and, and let him use that speed. And in that case, I, I would like him as, as a, as a late round guy to, to get some speed, get some stolen bases there as someone who just has in, had insane stolen base numbers in the minors, but he's not someone that I'm really <laughs> too keyed in on. Jason? Ruiz's future is really wide open, like a river flowing into the ocean. Uh, you know, But his skills are kind of brackish, and I'm now out of estuary puns to use. Uh, but in all seriousness, <laughs> his, his name is Estuary. Uh, every time I see it, I want to say Estuary, and I, I had to use those two puns. Uh, but seriously, it's like a great late-round speed dart because getting back to Oakland, anything is possible. Uh, there's going to be, at the end of the season, like if you go look at the ADP for Oakland players, uh, and please hide the women and children when you're looking at the pitchers, because it is, oh, oh my Lord, it's bad. Uh, <laughs> take out the, the, the whoever may close, but every other pitcher, it's like you, know, you want to leave a draft without a Rockies pitcher. Well, it's like you also want to leave a draft without an Oakland pitcher, and this is somebody who's got AL tout and labor this year. Uh, that I have with that, but everything's wide open, and I, I 
firmly believe we're going to see some value players, some of the top guys by ADP and where they finish come out of Oakland because it's so wide open. And this could be one of those guys. If he gets on and just runs and they are like, you know, we're going to have Ricky Henderson tribute and just get on base and, and run. It could be a lot of fun with him, but he also has to get on base. Uh, and that's, that's the struggle with him. But, you know, all puns and jokes aside, this is somebody I'm interested in the late rounds. And I've taken like guys like him, Zach Geloff. I've heard Ryan Noda as well. There are some late round names that are intriguing here because the opportunity is wide open. Yeah. So last night I kind of tweeted out, we, I was, uh, I was talking about how I'm going to do, you know, the, this year's Cedric Mullins articles, but I want to do a bunch of other, like this year's article, you know, this year's articles, you know, the one I've been thinking about was like this year's Aaron judge, the guy I'm going to fade and is going to completely blow up and have like a career season and make me look stupid. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and so I asked people like, Hey, what are, what are some, good articles like that I could do. And someone said like this year's John Birdie and a bunch of people were like, Oh, Estuaries, Estuaries. Like he is this year's John Birdie. Yeah. Um, he's not because he's going way higher than John Birdie was going oh, yeah. last year. <laughs> yes, um, and everybody is expecting it. Uh, so, I mean, I'm sure I'll mention him in the article if, and when I do that one, but uh, like, yeah, he could steal 30 like i think i have him hitting like 215 or something like that in my projections and stealing 30 bases i mean um, i gave you two great article topics I, I'm, I'm a little disappointed you didn't even comment on one of them i, I want to know this year's chris stratton uh long time <laughs> listeners will get that uh and then but the other one was like who's this sports brock purdy like who's the guy who goes with the last pick in a draft champion in an uh, online championship uh or a forgot what other I did three oh TGFBI is like who's got that has to go with their current ADP is the last pick or later that is actually relevant in fantasy this year um I think you could look yes, at some, I mean there's some really that, interesting names outside of pick 750 even in a would, draft champions wouldn't that just be this year's uh Brandon Drury who's only drafted in two NFBC leagues yes. last season um and uh and went on to have just like an awesome awesome year I uh, probably will do that this year's Chris Stratton that's a fantastic article. I got to figure out how to do that one um, because uh, just pick somebody from the Arizona bullpen. You'll be good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, let's uh, let's finish out with Jesse Winker, who's been rising since being traded to Milwaukee. So a lot of Milwaukee talk uh, so far this episode. Um, I've I've been unabashed saying I do not like Jesse Winker. You know, I will not roster Jesse Winker on any teams. Blake, you're shaking your head up and down yet. <laughs> so I'm going to start with you on this one. Talk to me about Jesse Winker. Now, if you can't tell, I am a Mariners fan, and I am so happy that Jesse Winker is gone. Admittedly, when we got him at the beginning of last year, before last year, I was very excited until I realized that the majority of his stats – were thanks to Great American Ballpark. He, uh, I've seen people mention that, uh, oh, new year, no injury, he'll be okay. The injury wasn't something that messed with him for the majority of the year. He had a lot of batted balls early in the year that he hit and he thought he just demolished that were warning track fly balls. Just which stupid just, weather. Yeah, yeah <laughs> very stupid weather. And, like, it, it deflated him a bit, and it just kind of – trickled downhill and continued on throughout the season. And I know he had the really high walk rate, but that wasn't, I, I'm very opinionated on Jesse Winker. It, it wasn't like a good walk rate. He just reached a point where after a while, he just refused to swing because he did, he knew that the ball wasn't going to go out, even if he made quality contact. So he just didn't want to swing. And then he lucked his way into a bunch of walks, which didn't really help him. I don't want him at all in fantasy this year. I don't think Milwaukee helps him at all. The only good thing he did last year was the double guns that he gave the uh, uh, the uh, Angels uh, yes. fans after the brawl. <laughs> uh, Ryan, where are you at on Jesse Winker? Yeah, I, I don't know if Blake has influenced me here, but yeah, I don't really like him too much either. Looking at <laughs> his last near last year numbers in the second half, he only hit um, I think one ninety five, um, one eighty five in September and October. Don't love him going to Milwaukee there. He only had one really great season out of five five there in Cincinnati. And he couldn't really stay healthy there. So, yeah, Winker is – I'd much rather just take someone later that you can probably get similar output from. Jason? Can I go to a different direction here? I mean, when you look at 
it's last year the injuries were a problem uh neck and back and we've talked you know often hitters it's, it's three things it's your hands it's your core it's your legs and if one of those things falls apart everything does and you look at him like his his not his average just his exit velocity went from 90 to 74 to 25 last year that's you know that's not all like yeah the playing in safe goes certainly impacts but that has to be some of that injury and his, his max exit velocity 91 89 62 so some of that's going to come back up there. Uh, you know, you could potentially see a Rowdy Tellez. I mean, this is like 90th percentile outcome, like a Rowdy Tellez type of outcome in that ballpark uh, if they only allow him to face right-handed pitching. Uh, you know, when you have the, the bench they do, he's going to be platooned, and he should be. But that, you know, the play skills, his ability to get on base, if he can get, uh, you know, out of his head, uh, as Blake talked about, and and recover the physical attributes that made him a talent at one point uh the possibilities there but the possibilities for him to continue to uh the downward trend that he's had there as well uh and and struggle more with injuries but there's there there's a possibility of him having like a, a teles type of outcome not the 30 homers i don't see that coming out of him but i do i could see 20 plus if everything went right for him which has rarely happened yeah, I mean, I'm like I said, I made my my thoughts clear. I, I'm I'm with Ryan and Blake on on this one, uh, and uh, I I understand like a lot of people like are like, oh, you know, he's back to being in a better park, but Jesse Winker's just not a very good baseball player. Like it's just I I think we just need to get kind of our heads wrapped around this. Yes, it's a better park. He should hit for more power, but he's also gonna platoon. Um, he's also not a very great defender. Uh, he's very injury prone. Like, I don't know why, like, we go, hey, this guy's moving to a good park. Let's now ignore all the red flags about a guy who's shown who he is at this point in his career. So um, maybe I eat my words on this one uh, later on, but I, I'm continuing the Jesse Winker hate bandwagon. So if we talk a little <laughs> bit, like, over the last month, he's currently the 63rd outfield. So in a 12 team mixed league, He's not even being drafted as a starting outfield, mm-hmm. so he's going on the bench. Names that are going, you know, where he sits right now over the last month, uh, names that are within a round of him include Trey Mancini, Christopher Morrell, Austin Hayes, Lane Thomas, and on the fringe of that, Jock Peterson and Austin Meadows on the rebounds, like those six names. You know, personally, out of those six, I would rather – I would take Winker over Morrell myself. I would, I would take Mancini sure. over Winker. I would yes. take Winker over Austin Hayes. Uh, and I think it's a push with Austin Meadows only because of Meadows essentially missing an entire year uh, yeah, and coming off that. Austin Meadows is the same person as Jesse Winker. Like Fair no enough. one has ever seen them together because they are the same person. Yeah, that's a really good uh, point. Wow. So, same weak arms, same problems. Yeah. Man, that is really good. That's a really, really good yeah. comment, Justin. <laughs> but like guys going after after Winker that I would rather have. Give me Mandy Marco. Give me Jake Fraley. Give me teammate Garrett Mitchell. Give me Nick uh, Gordon. Give me Jorge yeah. Soler. Give me Jared <laughs> Kelnick, who at least has like some massive upside. You know, to go along with it. Give me Trent Grisham, who we know can't hit necessarily. Give me uh, but at least he's got on a big rebound. I, yeah, see, I see what you're talking about. Yeah, I just like, I was all like around him, but man, like, there's even more depth me, behind him. Yeah, give me all the guys going after Jesse Winker. Um, you know, and uh I, I just I'm done. Like I just I can't I can't do it. So <laughs> all right, that we're gonna end on that amazing note. <laughs> Um, Ryan and Blake, thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, why don't you remind, uh, we'll let Ryan start on this one, remind everybody where you can be reached on social media and then plug all that you do. Yeah. Thanks for uh, having us here. I had a great chat to talk about guys. Uh, yeah. Follow our podcast. Baseball money is fake on Twitter at fake baseball search on any podcast platform. We're there. We have a link tree. We got a YouTube. We got a TikTok now that, that Blake is managing. I'm, I'm not touching that. that that's all Blake. <laughs> and uh, yeah. If you're a hockey fan, check out the Hockey Gambling Podcast. I'm, I'm on there as well. And you can follow me on Twitter at rgilbertsop. And Blake, remind everybody where you reach and if there's anything else you're working on. Uh, you can catch me on Twitter at Balake, B-U-H-H-L-O-C-K-A-Y-E. Uh, you can check out my my writing on sportsgamblingpodcast.com as well as fantasypros.com. I got three more articles for them coming between now and the end of the month. Uh, you can check my rankings out on Fantasy Pros as well. And yeah, just 
check out the podcast. We have a lot of fun. We've had a lot of great guests on and excited to get the season going. And Jason, where can you reach? What are you working on? Uh, you can find me at Jason Collette on Mastodon or Twitter, depending which site I like. To, I'm, I'm playing around in both and uh, enjoying Mastodon more, quite honestly, uh, you know, because it actually works. Uh, <laughs> that's a crash. Uh, so doing that and then finishing up the bold prediction series with both Western divisions. So working on the AL West right now uh, and then closing up with the NL West just in time to head on down to the first pitch uh, in West Palm Beach. Yeah, West Palm Beach uh, for spring training the first weekend of March. So, uh, yeah, we're recording next week, but that's the final Sunday because the final weekend is Potapalooza. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so just a reminder for listeners, there should be an episode next weekend, uh, but not uh, the final weekend of March as we uh, have actual spring training baseball to talk about. We have made it through the offseason. Thank God. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good reminder that Jason and I will both be traveling to a number of different places over the month of March. Uh, you know, obviously, Potapalooza will be live. Uh, you can still get raffle tickets, Potapalooza, if you want to try to get into TGFBI satellite leagues. Those are still available. Um, well, there's so- a beat Jason Collette league on on uh, NFPC now. Uh, that draft is the uh, the last Monday of February. So what is that? Twenty eighth, I think, Monday evening, seven or eight o'clock. Uh, Rotowire online, Rotowire online championship. Uh, so if you are still holding on to some money, you want to get in there and and beat me, which uh, uh, ten others did last year. See, two years ago, I finished second <laughs> in my own league, or I won my own. No, I, I finished second. Uh, came down to the final weekend last year. Finished eleventh. I, I pulled the Justin. I drafted all these injured guys, and I tried his approach because it worked so well for him a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, in all seriousness, it just did not go well. <laughs> I did win a draft champ, draft and hold, but I lost my own league uh, pretty badly. Uh, so I'm doing it again. Uh, and uh, so if you are still holding on to some funds, and I think there are still some open spots. I haven't looked uh, to see if it's filled yet, but it's easy money. It's me. I mean, you can come in there and just, like, take my money. Um, but yes, I have that draft on uh, the 27th. I think you said, Justin. Yeah, 27 Monday, Monday the 27th. Because mine on the 20th is already full. So if you want to uh, co- go against me in a league, you'll need to join our Patreon. Where uh, starting tomorrow, I'm gonna be like posting a bunch of like listener leagues. So uh, you can do that by joining our Patreon, joining the Discord. All the league stuff will be in the Discord kind of channels. Um, and then uh, I'm writing daily fan graphs, and I'm going to start this week, or I guess next week, whatever. Uh, starting on Monday, I'm going to be writing for Fantasy Pros uh, this year. So joining Blake over there, uh, I'm going to be dropping a bunch of content Welcome. Uh, here uh, over the course of the next few weeks. So I'm excited about that. Writing my first article uh, tonight for Fantasy Pros on draft and hold strategies. So like doing a whole draft and hold uh kind of primer for those of you interested in jumping in that uh that is going to do it for us for uh, jason ryan blake and myself thanks for listening have fantastic baseball offseason